0: My name is Keith Beavers, and I just found out that there is cell reception at the top of Mount Everest. Oh, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. I can't get it in my bedroom. What's going on, wine lovers from the Fine Pair Podcasting Network? This is the Wine 101 Podcast my name is keith beavers and i am the tastings director of vine pear and how are you oh we're diving into italy we're back on the boot we're talking about abruzzo you guys know abruzzo there's a wine you know very well we're gonna talk about it monte this episode of wine 101 is sponsored by tornatore wine just like the wines of abruzzo which we'll be talking about today, this wine is light, it's vibrant, and it's fruit forward. You see, its structured depth makes it a perfect companion for things like sauteed fish or even pork sausage and more. Believe me, this is a wine that can handle its meat. You know, we often, I should say this the American wine drinker is so exposed to Italian wine. I, I'm pretty sure Italian wine is the most imported wine into the United States and then France and everything else. And among those wines from Italy, there are certain ones that we really recognize, ones that have kind of made their way into our social consciousness. Some, Like Chianti made it into the Silence of the Lambs, right? But there is a wine that has made it into our culture, not through pop culture— but through the sheer amount of it being here. And that is the grape Montepulciano. And it's also a grape that has caused a little bit of confusion because there is a town in Tuscany called Montepulciano, and there are wines that come out of that place called Vino Nobile di Montepulciano. But that's not what this is. The Montepulciano grape is from a region on the Adriatic coast of Italy called Abruzzo. And the wine that so many of us really know is Montepulciano d'Abruzzo, the Montepulciano grape of the region of Abruzzo. And as ancient as this place is, like a lot of places in Italy, because the Romans were everywhere, especially on the boot, my God, they saturated it. This wine region is just now being realized because of its more modern history. So where is Abruzzo? Abruzzo is on the Adriatic coast, almost in the exact center part of Italy. It's a coastal region in the center part of Italy. But because of its history and its culture, it's considered southern Italy. To the north of this region is a region called Le Marche, great region. We'll talk about that at some point. To the south of Abruzzo is a region called Molise. That's very interesting. We'll talk about that in a second. To the west there is Lazio, which is going to—that's where Rome is. But really, to the west is a mountain range called Apennine, which is the mountain range that's the spine of Italy that goes all the way up and down the country. And to the east is the Adriatic Sea. It's a very geographically unique region in that it's split into two real zones. It has, towards the west, a very mountainous zone, very mountainous, talk about that in a second. And to the east, of course, the mountains slope down into a Mediterranean climate onto the Adriatic Sea. If you look at a map of Abruzzo, what you'll see on the western border of the region is the Apennine, the Apennine mountain range that runs up and down the country. And then you would see a little, a little a valley. Then you would rise up again into what's called the Gran Sasso Massif, another massive. We know about massifs. And then from that massive, all, everything slopes down towards the coast. And as everything slopes down towards the coast, there are multiple rivers that tributary towards the Adriatic. And this mass of geography takes up the north, the south, the east, the entire region. And within this massively diverse, um, jarring, contrasting geography are three national parks, one regional park, and 38 protected natural preserves. Almost half of the entire region is protected land and hosts 75% of Europe's animal species. The golden eagle is here, the the massacran brown bear is here, and what's very popular and beloved in Abruzzo is the Apennine Lupo, the wolf. You'll see that on a lot of multiple Chano bottles. And the thing about these two mountain ranges that are here, you have part of the Apennine and then you have this massive. Well, in this part of the Apennine, The mountain range is Mount Maela, which is the the highest mountain in the Apennine. And then in the Massif, you have, which is called the Gran Sasso Massif, you have a mountain called Corno Grande, which is the highest point in all of Italy. And then everything goes down to the coast with rivers. I mean, this is crazy cool terrain. I think wine would work here. Of course, wine has been here for a very long time. This is Italy. Enotria, the land of vines, the Greek called, the Etruscans called them. This, What's really cool about Abruzzo is being that it's pretty much central Italy, but considered the south, be, because it's close to central Italy, you would think, because we've talked about central Italy a lot here with Tuscany and everything, that Sangiovese is the dominant variety of central Italy. But... Abruzzo, even though it's, you know, it's southern, but it's right there. What's really interesting is that that Apennine, that mountain range, and that massive, because of its terrain and how hard it is to cross, Sangiovese didn't really dominate Abruzzo. Abruzzo is kind of on its own in this part of Italy. That's not 100% true, but the multiple Montepulciano grape... And a white wine grape called Trebbiano, which you've heard that name before, we'll talk about that, are pretty much from this region. You know, they don't really share a lot. Yes, Sangiovese is here in very small amounts, and there are other white wine grapes like Pecorina, Pecorino and uh, uh, Passinero. But we're, we'll get into that. But this, what's really cool about this place is that it's kind of isolated from the rest of central Italy because of that mountain range, and Sangiovese never really had a chance because the dominant variety here is from here and thrives here, Montepulciano. But the wine history here is, a, is somewhat fractured. I don't want to say fractured. The thing about this land is this land is up until, gosh, the 1950s, things were shifting as far as borders are concerned here. And this kind of messes with identity. So in the 13th century, sort of the mid-13th century, what is now Abruzzo was split up into three kind of general parts. You had Abruzzo Citra, which means Abruzzo Abruzzo near, which means the, the nearest to Napoli because that's what the main city was. Then you had Abruzzo, Abruzzo ultra, Uno, Abruzzo ultra Due. <laughs> so you had Abruzzo Citra, in Abruzzo Ultra One and Ultra Two, meaning further from Napoli. And if you're familiar with Abruzzese wine, you'll hear some old timers say Abruzzi instead of Abruzzo, meaning plural Abruzzi. And that is a that's a, that's calling back to the time when it was these three kind of territories. And then in 1948, they went ahead and just lumped Abruzzo and Molise together. So now it's just two regions, but Smashed together. That was interesting. And then in 1963, yeah, we're not done here. In 1963, they finally separated Abruzzo from Molise. Wine was happening during this entire time. But now, Abruzzo has an identity. And this is when people start thinking about Appalachians, DOCs, DOCGs, and all that. For a long time, Abruzzo DOC was the entire region. That's it. Done. But as of the 1990s, new DOCs are popping up and even a DOCG. But the thing is, on the American market, we're really not going to— I mean, we could—we're not going to see these very specific places all over the place because it's mostly the cooperatives— that we historically see on the US market. It's changing, but 80% of the wine made in Abruzzo are from cooperatives. And this is the conundrum of Abruzzo. And it's changing and it has been changing over 20 years. There are pioneers of Abruzzo that have been doing it on a small level outside the cooperatives with names like Masciarelli, Valentini, Emidio Pepe. Those wines are very terroir specific And because of those sort of pioneers proving these things, new DOCs are popping up to try to express the terroir of Abruzzo. And the terroir of Abruzzo is often expressed through the Montepulciano grape. There are two styles of Montepulciano coming out of Abruzzo. You have the sort of young, fruity, drink it in two years, It's the most affordable wine on the the by-the-glass list. It's the most affordable wine in the Italian section. It's good. It's great everyday wine. We're talking awesome everyday wine. And then there are the lower yields of Montepulciano. Jancis Robinson, the Jedi winemaster, says it's more like a Syrah, which I totally agree with. When you actually get it a little bit more restricted, it gets a little bit peppery, but then you put some oak on it it really kind of fills it out. Those Montepulciano are absolutely beautiful and maybe even age-worthy. And in Abruzzo, over 50%, well over 50% of the wines being made here are from Montepulciano. A little under 30% is a grape called Trebbiano d'Abruzzo. And we've heard the word Trebbiano before when we were talking about Lugana, but there are about 9 different Trebbianos across Italy, and this is a Trebbiano that is specific and native It's thought to be native to Abruzzo. It's a very quaffing wine. I mean, if you're on the coast of Abruzzo, on those beautiful beaches on the Adriatic, and you are like taking down bottles of this extremely crisp, beautiful, minerally soft fruit, easy drinking Trebbiano, and you're eating the seafood with the octopus, forget about it. It's absolutely amazing. It's a very, I don't want to say neutral, but people that, that, trying to ignore it, say neutral, but it's not because there are winemakers like the Valentini's that are doing things with Trebbiano, like Lee's aging to give it a little more depth. So we're still understanding how awesome this wine is going to be in the future. And this is how I see it. the There is the Abruzzo DOC that covers the entire region of Abruzzo. And within that entire region, there is the subzone of Multiple Channel D'Abruzzo and the subzone of Trebbiano D'Abruzzo that also cover the amount of land as the entire Abruzzo DOC. What they're doing here is saying go out there with Trebbiano and Multiple Chano and start planting it and make wine out of it. And as we do that, we'll start seeing which terroirs work. So with the overarching Abruzzo DOC, there are five subzones within that DOC. It's kind of like a village. They're not actual, not actual DOCs themselves, they're just subzones of a larger DOC. And that is where there's a little more terroir-driven stuff going on there where the yields are a little bit lower and the vine density is more intense, making those vines compete a little, more, a little bit more to see how what happens. And sometimes you'll see that village or the commune, or the subzone, on the label. But they're not out there everywhere. There is another DOC, kind of a big, large DOC, within the DOC of Abruzzo that's the entire region, called Cerasuolo di Abruzzo. Cerasuolo means cherry-like. Multiple Chano is a big, dark, inky wine. There's a lot of anthocyanin in those skins, a lot of pigment. So when you make rosé rosato, from this grape, it's almost fire engine red or very cherry red. And towards the mountainous regions of Abruzzo, it's very popular to make this wine. And if you ever had a Cerasuolo di Abruzzo, it, 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 it's not your typical rose. It's a rose that has some weight to it. It actually is a good food rose, it has some depth. Not a lot of, I mean, it has acidity, but you can definitely feel the depth of Cerasuolo. But as all this has been working, and as people have been stepping away from co-ops, co-ops are going to be here for a very long time. But there is more and more single-minded producers out there making it work. Because of this, as of the mid '90s, there the DOCs and DOCGs are coming hard and fast. So let me give you a quick snapshot of what's going on. But things could change, like after this podcast comes out. Maybe not. Well, you never know. And one thing to also understand is the the terroirs and the wines of these places are still being realized, but it's an exciting time to get into them. So, of all of Abruzzo, on the northeastern part of the coastal region of Abruzzo, you have Guerra DOC. Guerra means anti-war. There's a big World War II battle going on here. Now, the thing about that is that DOC is within a larger DOCG, which is usually kind of flipped, but that larger DOCG is called Coline Terramane. You're going to see that around. Colline Terramane, the, the, the importers are really trying to promote this particular DOCG. As we go down the coast and a little further inland with near all these rivers, you have a Vilamagna DOC. And then you go back to the coast and go south, you have the Ortona DOC. And then just south of that, you have Terre Tolesi. DOC. Oh, well, no, as of 2019, it's a DOCG now. And we all I know I've told us about this in the past, but this is what happens when it goes from DOC to DOCG. More restrictions are in place. Like we're talking about the vine density in the subzones of the of the larger DOC. Vine density is a thing, limited yield is a thing. We're trying to concentrate these grapes in these brand new DOCGs or it's even a DOCG. Actually, you know what? This is a DOC and we it should be a DOCG because if we restrict the yields a little bit and we do this and we do that and we keep make that a rule, then maybe we'll see even more potential coming out of this place. That's what's going on here. But what it comes down to is we're trying to express this variety called Montepulciano that is native to its land. And we are now at a time when this region has the opportunity to do that. And it's going to take time. I mean, we are already seeing terroir driven Montepulciano, and a lot of it is expressed through the way it's vinified. But the future of this place is not the low end pour at a wine bar or the most inexpensive red wine in the Italian wine section. It will be that for a long time. And there will always be everyday, Wonderful multiple Chano. But as more winemakers make more concentrated wine with more terroir-driven examples, these winemakers will make their entry-level multiple Chano that will actually reflect even more the, the land in which they're making wine. It's really, really awesome. So... Get ready, guys. Go out there, look for multiple Chana d'Abruzzo, Trebbiano d'Abruzzo, Cerasuolo di Look for the DOCs. Look for the DOCs. Hell, look for the actual subzones. Because these wines are also very affordable. And you can start applying like hanging out with them and trying them every like on weeknights to kind of see which ones you like. Obviously, I'm excited. I'm talking about Italian wine. And next week we're going to Umbria. Stop it. Stop it. I'll see you next week. This is amazing. Stop it. Find Pair Keith is my Insta, rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. Day. See you next week. EJ Gallo Winery is excited to sponsor this episode of Vine Pairs Wine 101. Gallo always welcomes new friends to wine with an amazing wide spectrum of favorites ranging from everyday to luxury and sparkling wine. Gallo also makes award-winning spirits, but this is a wine podcast. Whether you are new to wine or an aficionado, Gallo welcomes you to wine. Visit thebarrelroom.com today to find your next favorite, where shipping is available.